You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season nine, episode forty-three. Uh, I'm John. I'm your sort of host, uh, and I'm joined by the other John, who's the other host. Hi John. You alright? I know bad. Um just getting used to the new way of life, the new normal, so to speak. Yeah. Aye, gyms have been indoors and all that, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh you're allowed out to walk. So yes. we had a nice walk in the in the sunshine for Easter Monday today. So well, well, I have been getting back into the run, the running, so that's been, been going all right. So Aye. it was a warmer though today, it was tough going. Yeah. At least you're doing something. Hi. Um, so we're joined by, uh, we've got another guest on, which we're delighted to have. Um, so it's Aberdeen player and assistant manager. Um, it's Aloha manager, Berwick Rangers and one of our clubs, uh, Willie Garner, or as John likes to call you, Gaffer. How are you doing? I'm doing well, John. Thank Both Johns, thank you very much. I'm doing well. Delighted to be doing something that's different for the daily routine that I'm into just now. <laughs> How are you finding it so far in terms of... The whole current situation. Um, a bit strange. I'm I'm used to working from home, so um, the 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 bit about in the house isn't that bad. But um, I just think the whole bit about you know going about that long, right? You know, keep a social distance and don't speak to anybody else it becomes a bit of a problem. It's a problem for everybody, you know. Yeah. And it's how you, how you how you address it and how you just manage it is, is the, the way around it, you know. I just moved house about three or four days before this happened, um, and I moved down to beside the, the water down in New Haven in Edinburgh. There's plenty of walks, and I've got my bike back out in the go as well. That's dusted down after 25 years in the garage. So, um, so yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Putting us to shame already, Willie. Um, out in the bike. I'm, I'm knackered just watching my son in his bike. <laughs> It's amazing. It's that old adage about it's like riding a bicycle. You're thinking, I've been in this bike for about. And I moved house. I knew I had a bike in the garage somewhere, uh, and lo and behold, there it was. And it's been 20 years since I've been on it. So I've had a wee bit chance now to get it, get the WD40 on it, and me probably, um, and get the wheels back in motion again. So yeah, I've been out every morning, in it, so it's, I'm really enjoying it. Backside's a bit sore to be fair, but uh, <laughs> I've come to terms with that. <laughs> nice one um, so I, I we've got you on obviously to talk about football and the likes as opposed to what our daily exercise routine is just now and stuff like that um, so I breaking news earlier on from today um, which is quite interesting in terms of the, the Lowland League situation where they've declared it so Kelty are champions um, and they've just said there's not going to be any relegation from the Lowland League what we don't know though is whether are Kelty going to get a chance to progress in the pyramid potentially and play brother Rangers um, what, what's your thoughts on that first of all well, Kelty's an old club of mine uh, I, I was at Kelty for four or five years ago for a couple of seasons um, as assistant with uh, Keith Burgess who's the Scotland junior manager yep yeah Keith and I worked there and the guy Stuart Williamson as well so they're a, they're a, they're a club that's quite really close to my heart they're a really good good club progressive club and obviously they've got Barry in, um, 
and their, their ambition, you know, after Tom Coates had left, they'd done a great job, to be fair, uh, was always to get into the league. So, um, I, I, you're right, I don't know what they would do. I didn't know that situation uh, had happened, John, uh, today. And it would only be rightly so that them and Brora would need to play. Yeah, it broke earlier, roughly about kind of five o'clock, because we've got the WhatsApp group and John kind of shared it among us. Um, certainly my thinking, first of all, is that if they're going to try and make this pyramid work, uh, I can understand them not wanting to do relegation in the current circumstance, but you've got to give chance to teams to progress, especially they've budgeted for that, I would say, by bringing in the likes of Barry Ferguson and uh, Bob Malcolm as assistant manager, um, and even the players they brought in as well. Whether maybe reconstruction is going to happen, and whether maybe they might end up that Kelty and Brother Rangers both maybe become part of that reconstruction, I'd be in favour of that. I think if you have no promotion though from either the Lowland League or the Highland League, then it'd be kind of disappointing for all all, all clubs um, involved. So. so, so would the scenario be then that you don't have relegation out the the second division? Well, that's <laughs> the two of them in. Yeah, that's what I suppose we're waiting to see uh, what they are going to do and how they are going to declare their hand. Um, I believe the the idea that Dundee have got and obviously they're the ones that are holding the card just now they want to see a system I think whereby reconstruction does take place um, and they are I believe a 14 team top league with Dundee United and Inverness going into that but it'll also help Dundee in future because there'll be more places in the top flight um, okay. that's what I'd like to see certainly I think John um, Chris it's usually on the podcast myself I think we've all been in favour of reconstruction for a while. I think a lot of fans would like it as well. Yeah, I, um, I, agree. I agree with that. Yeah, it's a change, isn't it? It comes a change, and I'm pretty yeah. sure. Who's the who's the bottom club? Is it Stranraer or the bottom club? Brecon. Brecon. Brecon are the bottom of the um, League Two and Stranraer's League One. Well, I'm pretty yeah. sure, which I think is happening right across the board, that teams are looking, clubs are looking after self-interest. A lot of self-interest here, and I'm pretty sure Brecon would be quite happy with that. Yeah. Um, it keeps them in the league, uh, and it also means another couple of clubs come up through that pyramid system into the Lowland League, as opposed to maybe one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's the biggest problem is uh, the self-preservation, um, because well, that's coming across through a lot of statements, and the way this is all being played out in the public eye is just been ridiculous to be brutally honest I mean I don't like the way the SPFL have been dealing with this, I don't like the way Rangers have been dealing with this, I don't like I, like, I think Hart's statement yesterday was a, one of their better ones but I don't like the way they've been dealing with it either, um, there's just too many um, statements coming out over this, you know, so instead of him coming out on Easter Sunday with you know, back and forth um, like, like a tennis match with the statements, just enjoy your Easter Sunday and just uh, get back to it and uh, talk behind closed doors and get it resolved amicably one way or another but uh, I mean currently there's 42 teams in, in the senior leagues so some proposals have been 14 team um, Premier and Championship but then that leaves you with 14 teams across the last two divisions which would mean you'd probably need to cut a division so then how do you get Kelty and, uh, and Brora into that yeah. um, unless you do regionalised leagues which we've been kind of a favour for um, as well but just, just don't know. If they're going to reconstruction, it needs to be done right, and not just for the interest of um, certain clubs. Yeah, I mean, obviously you you managed in the East of Scotland a fair bit, didn't you, Willie? Um, and they they decided to go up the pyramid sooner than what the teams in the West have done. Yeah. So do you think it's a good idea the pyramid in in theory? 
think what's, what's happened in, in, in the East is that um, it's destroyed the Junior League. Yeah. Uh, because all the top clubs, you know, Lithgow's and Bonesses of this world, and uh, them all actually have now went into that East of Scotland League. Uh, and now know that um, the Auckland Lex of this world are now joining the pyramid system as well. Is that right? The West yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually follow Auckland Lex Talbot as well as Aberdeen. So yeah, they, they're, oh, and, and they were reluctant to to certainly join this system, but they've almost been forced into it yeah. um, because if they don't go, they're going to get left behind. And the way it's now been played out is, I think, by all accounts, um, we're just waiting for final confirmation that all the West Junior teams are going to go as one into the pyramid system. So yeah. you would effectively say that's the, almost the death of the Junior game, much as the Junior Cup's going to remain, which I find quite interesting. Um, I don't know whether that's been part of the bargaining deal. Um, Tom Johnson's maybe held on to something. Yeah, yeah, you know? I th- um, with that, which you can understand. I mean, there's arguments for that against it. I think it's good. We all want to see teams progress if they if they want to progress. The problem that we've had previously in this pyramid system is that we had the, the situation in the Highland League, whereby, was it Bucky, I think? Was it Bucky, John? Or, so one of the teams had got into the, the final, and they, they weren't that keen on progressing up the league. Rora. They won. Rora. 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 That's right. A couple of seasons ago. Um so that's a difficult situation you go is that there's some teams that are going to go into this and they don't really have any ambitions to go up the leagues they're just going to be in this league that they've been forced into um, well, there's, still, there's still a junior league exists over the fourth so the Fife and Tayside um, have got a, still got a junior league um, you know teams like uh, Tayport are in it yeah. Bob Heer are in it you know, Aye. or West End are in it they're, they're in it because of the finance side of things that if they went into a, a national league, the travelling costs were, were prohibited in terms of them being able to do that. So they've yeah. stuck to their guns and have stayed within that, that junior league. I think actually, is it Brotty are in the semi final in the junior cup? Or, or, or they could be in they the, the quarter final eye against Ed Ovo. Uh, right. yeah. We had Mick Kennedy on last week, actually, Ed Ovo manager. Right. Uh, so yeah, but. I think the I think the the, the, the whole I mean I, I totally agree with what you're saying that the, the whole nonsense over the weekend um, when Rangers throwing out challenges to um, uh, the SPFL and you know if they've got evidence that they've done something naughty then they need to put it down on the table I think that's the first thing um, and I believe the, the the guy McLennan has wrote to all the clubs yesterday and asking Rangers that if you've got evidence that, that something has happened that shouldn't have happened then we need to know about it. Uh, or is it them just banging their banging their feet in the ground and, and being the naughty kid? I, I really don't know. I when you look in the media as well, there's been a lot of kind of things like in terms of WhatsApp conversations supposedly being leaked, and I think that came out. The air chairman is it Lachlan Cameron? I think he said what, what WhatsApp group? There's no WhatsApp group for the managers as well, or the chairman or people that, that I'm aware of. Um, so I think we. It's almost like you know that, that I've seen something in the news today that UEFA. Uh, could at some point very, very soon make a decision on Scottish football. And if they, I, I, you know, the, 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 the man in me is thinking, are they waiting and then making that decision so they don't need to make the decision? I don't know. Yeah. I get it forced out of hands, I and then they ah, don't yeah, need they don't yeah. they're not seen as the bad guys. I think yeah. one thing we can all agree on, much as whether we agree with your statement or not, I think there's been calls for the the board and all that between the SFA and that to change for a while and whether maybe eventually something like that might come out of it, but I just think the way it's been handled in the press and everywhere, the media's it's pretty ugly <laughs> all round. 
It's a frenzy because there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah. There's no, there's no football to talk about. So all of a sudden they've got their back pages filled again with something mm-hmm. that, that, that looks like it's news. Um, and it could be something um, dramatic that's happened in the, 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 the six, on the sixth floor of Hamden or whatever it might be. So the, the, the reporters have got their teeth into it and not, they won't let it go because there's nothing else to read in the papers just now. Yeah. Aye. I think what's not helping the situation just now is the situation with the TV contracts because um, if I'm reading between the lines correctly, um, the new TV contract with Sky comes into, see, um, into play from the 1st of August next season and they're obviously insistent that they get their 4 all from games um, next season and um, all the rest of it and you know, you're looking for um, the TV companies to maybe help out a wee bit because obviously Sky as well want the two old firm games to remain this season to get played well I don't think any football is going to get played between now and the end of the season unless you're starting next season it's, um, start resuming the end of the season um, in August because yeah. I don't think any football is getting played in August I think the SFA came out and said there's no SFA football at all up until I think July and then you've got to consider you can't just ask players to say right um, that's a lockdown over um, on the, the 30th of June um, let's get playing football on the first of July. It doesn't work like that. They need to um, have some, you know, pre some form of pre-season before they get back to um, playing football. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to be allowed to train together. That's the thing. And, yet, mm-hmm. and there is no way in God's earth that if something starts in August, the way things are going just now, that the football crowds are going to be allowed back into stadiums. Yeah. That's not yeah. Good, you know. I was reading something earlier as well though if you look at across Europe the Italian FA are thinking there's going to be a phase return starting from later on this month whether that's training or what I don't know I know the, the Bundesliga their clubs are back in training yeah, um, yeah. But the UK's heading on a different road isn't it yeah unfortunately Scotland aren't even doing the, the, the really bad road it looks like than, than the, the rest of the UK but there's still a lot of concern out there in it you know, and it's something that's uh, in the foremost of everybody's minds right now. No stupid little arguments about football and these grown-up guys not making their minds up, can't make a decision, mm-hmm. come together and make a, con- a consensus decision, you know. That's 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 the issue. It's you're paying, These guys are getting paid a lot of money. They can't agree to something. Yeah, and then there's obviously the concern about There was a situation with the clubs as well. Supposedly the, there was rumour of they, they wanted a almost to be paid for the places they were currently in but didn't want the season to be declared and then potentially if they could paid more than where they might eventually finish in the league they would be paying money back and stupid things like that as well so yeah yeah the, the bigger concern for me is the uh, the future of the Scottish clubs you know it's not even you know even from an Aberdeen perspective could we or could we not get European football next season I'm not interested in that right now I'm more interested in how the um, club's going to survive after um potentially five months of no football. Um, I know that um, a couple of clubs like Wraith Rovers, Albion Rovers, were two that spring to mind, whose fans started um, GoFundMe pages and they've raised a good amount of money. Like I think Wraith Rovers is nearly 50 grand, Albion Rovers has surpassed 10 grand, which I think is incredible. Um, but how long that will last them, I don't know. Um, you, I just don't want to see any of the 42 clubs and beyond um, you know, going to the wall over this. Oh, definitely. They've got to, you know, if you think how many games have they still got to play? Is it eight games or something that need to be played? Eight in the top flight, yeah. In the top flight. So, so if you if you take that the top flight in isolation, there's eight games to be played, and the people have paid season tickets for this season. You know, 
and they're no and they're no if it's not going to be uh, finished, then are they due a refund? The last thing the clubs want to be doing is giving people back money that they didn't have. Yeah, there's a lot of different scenarios there. because mm-hmm. um, uh, interestingly enough, um, the the Friday was obviously when the they stopped all the football being played, and I was due to go to the game that night, the Motherwell Aberdeen game. There's been no word in terms of obviously they don't know at the moment whether that fixture is going to be played, but there's been no word about whether you want a refund or do you want to wait to a rearrange potential rearrange fixture. So clubs are obviously wanting to hold as onto as much money as they can, yeah. um, which is understandable because I was I was talking to one of the kind of Talbot committee the other day, and they were saying even the likes are it's not just the money from the games itself this time of year you're getting to the stage where maybe like end of season um, play the year awards and they bring a lot of money maybe testimonials at different clubs and fundraisers and all that type of things we're losing all that income as well mm-hmm. um, another good initiative I saw um, online was donate a ticket um, on Twitter there's quite a lot of clubs signed up for that so whereby fans or clubs can donate the price of a ticket um, each week to try and help out their club as well so um, every every kind of penny helps. Um, yeah, definitely. Just now, and then there was a sickening. Well, I don't know. I've not seen any further notice of what happened at Bells Hill, but um, a clubhouse caught fire. I think I'm assuming it was vandals. Um, so they, what are their fans set up a, a GoFundMe and they've raised a fair amount of money just now to try and help out them. It's the last thing that clubs need to the best of times, but especially yeah. in this scenario as well. I think the supporters. I mean, I mean, Dave's come out. Dave Cormack's come out, and, and obviously has said that they'll, they're, they're, they're wanting if they, if they talk about our own club just now, and they're wanting people to buy season tickets. And there have been quite a few people that have bought season tickets, um, which I think is fantastic, fantastic loyalty. To be fair, um, and they'll match something with the Aberdeen Trust in terms of a, a donation of, is it ten percent? They've said that they give yeah. season ticket sales back into the trust, which mm-hmm. needs money right now as well. Um, so I think that I think from a from a board perspective, I think that's commendable of them. Um, but you're you'll still be sitting and thinking there's people who are no longer with jobs, and there's going to be more and more people not have jobs in the in the coming months in some of the industries that they're working because they're not going to open up straight away. Are they going to be able to afford a season ticket? You no, know, they've normally had one because that probably won't be a priority in their on their their spending list. Um, so really, really difficult times. I'd have thought around about um, August. You spoke earlier on, John, about August and maybe getting games played in August and getting these final game, these final eight games played. Now, realistically, you could play eight games in three weeks or four weeks, couldn't you? Um, and just get the um, club TVs to video them. So the people who have got season tickets for this season, this is just my idea. <laughs> the see people who have got season tickets for this season, uh, they get Red TV as an example for free. Mm-hmm. They got it. Um, and the people who haven't got Red TV make a, a nominal fee to watch the games on Red TV. It's still income coming in that they wouldn't have if they could get closed door games up and running. Because I'll repeat what I said earlier on, I can't see crowds getting back into the grounds uh, within quite a long period of time. Yeah, that was something Dave Cormack actually touched on. There was an interview with um, BBC Sports Sound the week past Saturday, and he was talking about how the likelihood is there'll be a phase return in terms of fans attending. And he spoke about something similar to yourself in terms right. of maybe season ticket holders getting to watch the games on TV 
um, to try and help out because the TV companies are desperate to have live football getting shown. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, you know, so so Aberdeen go to Ibrox as an example. Now, I don't think right now that Red TV get into Ibrox. Am I right in saying that? It's only the home club's TV that gets into. Yeah. Does Red TV stream from away games? Oh well. Oh no, they must. It does internationally. Aye, so they must get some access somehow. And then I show you do, or you can go into Hesgol and get it, and you're and you're then going through the Rangers TV thing. So the clubs could come to some sort of agreement that says, okay, we'll no charge you, but we need vice versa. If Rangers go to Petardry, they could take their TV squad up there, you know, and stream it to their supporters through their Rangers TV. Aberdeen could stream it to their supporters from Ibrox to the Aberdeen supporters. If there, if there was a common ground, you know, I could see some clubs saying, you know, and they're going to do that. You know. Yeah, it's getting around Sky that, um, and BT that's going to be the big issue with that because yeah. they obviously hold the aces. But it's a, it's a good idea in theory. They, I mean, they go in, they go in and do it. Because right now my BT and my Sky is suspended because uh, because there isn't any football on it. But I'd be quite happy for my, my um, money to come back out, taken out again to watch these games. Yeah. As long as the clubs get some money out there. I think there's another meeting. Yeah, I think there's another meeting tomorrow. I think it is. Um, this is Monday by the calling, so I think there's a, a meeting tomorrow again to try and get some sort of solution to whatever's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I've got a feeling that it'll not be decided tomorrow. Have they no. meeting because it's been a bank holiday? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, but then Aye. they've squabbled in Easter Sunday, so. Um... <laughs> anyway, I, th- I think we've, we've all. I think everybody's got opinions on it, guys, and it's. Yeah. But there, there needs to be some uh, decisions made. I mean, we could sit here to the blue in the face and say, I think this is what we think should happen. But uh, nobody up down to <laughs> us will be down to somebody that says, this is what's going to happen. Aye. And the sooner that happens, the better. Yeah, definitely. I think the most important thing um, right now above football is that you know everyone just follows the, the government advice. You know We're not being asked much. We're being asked to stay in the house and go do very little exercise once a day you know and by that I don't mean getting in your car and driving to uh, you know the, the biggest part possible and flooding that area um, just a walk to the top of your street down, um, and back that is pretty much all we're being asked to do and if people can just adhere to that and stop having like house parties mm-hmm. and things like that just now then we'll get out this sooner rather than later Hi, definitely but I will probably move on because we're probably boring the listeners. I think they're probably sick of reading about it and they're probably sick of listening about it as well. So um, I'll hand over to you, John, in terms of leading with having Billy on. Yeah, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, so taking you back quite a while, um, Willie. Um, so you signed for Aberdeen um, back on the 29th of September 75, according to the um, AFC Her- um, Heritage Trust. Um, just how did that signing come come about? I was I was playing with Camps Black Watch, um, and I was on trial with Airdrie. Uh, I'd been training with Airdrie two nights a week and training with Camps two nights a week, and I think I was I think I was doing that for four or five weeks. And there was a played one game. I can't remember who we played, and they wanted me to play another trial game. And it was against Rangers reserves at the Broomfield. But we beat six nothing. And uh, Bobby Calder was at the game, and he came up to me after the game, and I thought it was mistaken identity to be honest, because 
He said, like, you got to Aberdeen for a trial. And I'm thinking, oh, look at the wrong guy. I've just been D6 nothing. <laughs> anyway, I got, I went up for a trial. Uh, I was up for two weeks. And uh, the, at that time, Jimmy Bonefrome was the manager. And Jimmy had spoke to me after the two weeks. He says, listen, I would like to sign you. He says, but we've got uh, Willie Young. We've got Eddie Thompson. We've got the guy Noel Ward who at the club who are all good centre-backs. Um, and he says, so what I'd do is I'd like to sign you a provisional form and put you back down to Campsie again. So I says, that's not a problem at all. So I went back to Campsie. So I trained with Campsie two nights now, And I trained with Stennis Muir two nights with them and Tom Denny. So Stennis Muir was local. Um, and it only lasted about four or five weeks. And Big Willie Young flung his jersey into the dugout. Uh, and I got called up. So, you uh, was getting that noise, guy? Yeah, I think it's a mine, sorry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I got called up. Uh, I played a reserve game at uh, Air United. First game, I got picked up at Stirling train station. I knew a couple of the boys because I'd been up there for a fortnight. We won the game 8 nothing, and I thought, this is easy peasy. I'm playing with very good players here now. Mm-hmm. Went up on the Monday, and Jimmy Bonthorne picked me up at the train station. He took me to my digs in Crown Street, and just says, Churio. Um, later on in the afternoon, I went up to Union Street to get an evening paper, and the back page was splattered with Bonthorne has resigned. So, um, he never told me. He said anything to me. So, um, I was in I was in digs with a boy called George Campbell. Remember the boy called George Campbell? Uh, Pelly, he's now in Australia. And digs with him. So, we went in the park in the morning, and George Murray was there and says, business as usual, just carry on. So, that was the whole signing process. It was great. It was great to be there because I was working in a paper mill before that. Fabulous. And then um, a month later, I think it was, Alan McLeod comes in um, and he gave you his debut um, against Hearts in the January, if I'm yeah. reading rightly. But what was Ali like? Ali, Ali was fantastic. I mean, Ali, Ali to be fair, the, 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 the crowds at Aberdeen at that time were three or 4,000 people. I know you guys maybe weren't born at that point. <laughs> the crowds were terrible, you know. The entertainment had been out. They'd won the cup in '70, um, and nothing else was happening after that. So uh, Ali got the enthusiasm back into the city again. You know, he was out. He was everywhere, out at supporters' clubs. He was really drumming, drumming the the, the 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 business up to come in and watch his entertaining team. Um, and he, you know, he made you believe that you were an entertaining team, but we just avoided relegation that first season. So, but Ali had, Ali was the start of getting crowds to come back into Pitodja again because he did some wacky things. You know, his, his, his training sessions were open sessions at Linksfield Stadium, so anybody could come and watch. And it was a game we used to play a practice match. We were the first team against the reserves. Uh, and we went across, we walked from Petorgy one day to play this, this practice match. And there was three balls in the centre circle. A black and white ball, an orange ball and a normal white ball. And there was hurdles and cones scattered all over the park as well. And they made these rules. If you, put, if you touch that ball, you have to touch that cone. If you touch that ball, you have to jump a, hoop, jump a, a hurdle. Honestly, our boys weren't about thinking. They didn't even want to touch the ball because they had no idea what we meant once we once we touch it. But the fans loved it. The punters absolutely loved it. Oh, that's um, he was a great great guy. Really, really great guy. 
yeah, it's, it's tremendous. I mean, you say that he kept you up the first season, um, or um, and then the the following season, um, he brought some success with the League Cup. Um, two games that obviously stand out. Uh, perfect way to win it. Um, beating Rangers in the semi-final. In fact, didn't beat them. Hammered them five-one, uh, and then beating Celtic in the final. Um, but Davy Rob um made Bobby Clark's dream come true. Just uh, describe the feeling of what it was like uh, winning that trophy. That was the first time I'd been in Hamden, that semi-final in my life. The first time I'd ever actually been in Hamden. Because I, did, I didn't go to a lot of games when I was younger, because you, you, as a kid you were playing football all the time. So, um, you know, going there on a Wednesday night and beating them 5-1 was just absolutely magnificent. Um, and then you've got to play Celtic in the final, as you said. And Celtic were going well at that time. Big Jock was the manager. Um, Kenny was still playing at that time as well, before he went to Liverpool. Um, and they were well, warm favourites going into the game. But just Ali just gave us this wee belief that you you could think you could win this. You know, you're actually you were going into the game, especially after beating that mob five one in the in the semi. You're then going into the final thinking, why why would we no beat them? Uh, we lost a penalty early doors. Drew still says it wasn't a penalty. And if you look at it again, it maybe was. Um, and that we scored. Um, and then we go back into the game again and you're right, David Robb, Drew gets a goal, a right good goal, and then David Robb comes on and as you said, makes Bobby's dream come true. Bobby says he dreamt about that tonight. It was it was fabulous, fabulous occasion. We we got just a very brief story, but we were staying at Newton Mairns, um, a hotel on a roundabout at Newton Mairns now. If you, I couldn't take you to it now, to be honest. Uh, it might have been a McDonald's hotel. And Celtic were at Sea Mill. And Ali, you probably heard the story, but Ali decided that um, our first task that day was to get to Hamden before Celtic. So he had, had someone down the road, further down the road than the, the road coming up from Seamill, who phoned to say, that's the Celtic bus on its way. And we managed to get out on a roundabout right outside the hotel in front of the Celtic bus. And he says, that's us beat them, beat them already. That's us got in front of them already, he said. <laughs> Just wee things like that. You end up going to the going to the pitch, and you've got a, once you get nearer the outskirts, you've got a police escort, so they're not going to overtake you. And and we got to Hamden first. Just um, just fantastic, just fantastic, fantastic day for the club. And then you go down the down the street on Sunday with the open top bus, and I'm thinking, you have only been at this club for four or five months. This is unbelievable. Just great times. See, see the time you'd gone. Can't see Black Watch were they an amateur team at the time. No, they were under 21. Under 21? Yeah. 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 Good side. Good club. Uh, sadly sadly folded as well now, John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that whole league just disbanded, I think. And Camp Sea, like everybody else, were just struggling for funds. And the guy, God rest him, Jerry Marley, who run them for 40 odd years. Yeah, Jerry died just last Christmas time. But um, the, the, the club itself was, was incredible for getting boys through into the senior game. Yeah, that that's just that's a shame. Um, but from I mean, from your perspective, winning the uh, League Cup in your first full season, you finished third that year, um, and then Alan McLeod left to uh, become Scotland manager. Um, that must have been um, a blow at the time. But Billy McNeil came in and pretty much carried them momentum that almost led um, to what could and perhaps should have been a double. You might be able to tell us a bit more as to whether that should have been or not, because um, I know some people that have spoken to. Um, Ali Begg, for example, said that 
you froze in the final. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. I think we were going into that game I really in form against Rangers. Um, you know, and it's one of the, you know, we went in the League Cup final as the underdogs. We've actually went into that final as the favourites um, because we were, we were I, I, you maybe got the facts there, John, but I think they'd only been beaten twice in about maybe 15 or 16 games leading up to that final. Uh, and we were flying. We really were flying. Billy had brought in a few right good players. I mean, we Gordon and Steve Archibald, these kind of boys, you know, who, who enhanced the team that we had. And um, and we went into the cup final and we just never played. It was absolutely bizarre how we just, no, no not one player in the team, didn't matter what we did, we just couldn't seem to get out of the bit. Uh, Rangers scored, we, we scored a right freaky goal. Stevie Ritchie scored a real freaky Spun away up in the air and kind of got us back into the game, but we just weren't at the races at all. Really, really, that was a big disappointing day. When, from the elation of winning a cup to the elation to, to the disappointment of losing a cup was terrible. Yeah, but Ali Beg was right for once. <laughs> yeah, he does know his stuff, Ali, to be fair. Um, but yeah, but you um, formed a um, a good partnership with, with Willie Miller for a couple of seasons. Um, I know the way we've spoken about him um, and McLeish was that McLeish um, was told to go and win the headers and he just cleaned up at the back. Was that the same relationship with you? Um, well, no, would be the answer to that. I, I, I felt I could play. Big Ali could play as well, but obviously. But I, I, I think you were, um, when Ali was the manager, it was very much a give the ball to Joe Smith. Um, and some of us were a wee bit you know, disgruntled with that because we could all pass the ball. Um, but Ali wanted Joe Smith to get in the ball as much as possible. And then when Big Billy came in, you know, for me, Billy was great because he was a, a centre-half, obviously, uh, and he kind of took me under his wing a bit, uh, quite a lot in terms of winning balls in the air because he was outstanding in the air himself. Um, and, and if, and if that, that was the case of me going and winning the headers, I was quite happy to do that, you know, and Wally dropping in behind. But there was other aspects of the play that I, I enjoyed getting in the ball as well. Um and, and I think everybody everybody does. You just don't want to be this big. I know yeah. it's five times, I know that, but <laughs> just you don't want to be this rough and tumble centre half if you just header the ball. <laughs> um, you obviously mentioned Billy. Um, was because I know that you were a Celtic fan growing up as a as a kid. Um, was was he was it a bit of a dream playing under him at Aberdeen? Um, when when they announced that Billy Manila got the job. John Clark, I thought this is fantastic. No, not just because he, 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 I mean, you're right. Primary school, I, I was a Celtic supporter, but that was primary school, and I started yeah. supporting Hibs when I went to the secondary school because everybody else supported Celtic. Um, but obviously, once once I got the red top on, that was me. But Big Billy uh, was just a great mentor, and he was one of these guys. And you've you've two years have heard all the stories of Billy walked into a room and he knew he was in the room. Uh, just such a, a an outstanding man, uh, presence of a man. Uh, so when he came in, I thought this can't be any better for me because he's, he was a top centre half. And he played at unbelievable highest level, obviously with Lisbon and he played with Scotland as well. And um, and I'm thinking I'm going to learn so much from him, and I and I, and I believe I did because I listened to him. And John Clark was the same. John Clark was a fantastic defender as well in his day. I mean, again, we'd be, we'd be 
John was an outstanding player. Big Billy wouldn't have been the same player if we John hadn't been playing beside him. Yeah. Did you, did you know quite early on, like I know I'm maybe kind of going ahead of myself here or going ahead of John here, but did you see it that at this, these times, even as a kind of younger player, did you have an idea that you'd want to move into coaching from an early age? Once you stop playing, or no, no, I don't. I don't think that's. I, I think it's more and more uh, relevant now and, and prevalent as well that a lot of the guys are now looking to do their coaching badges when they're when they're still in the game, because the, the money in the game is is incredible now as well. If, if, if whether you're playing or whether you're getting a, a good level of management, um, but then you just learned. You know, you you learned and you, and you unconsciously ended up in conversations talking about football. Yeah. I mean, you're in conversations with, with people like the guys we had in that dressing room talking about football, and the conversations are, are, are fantastic. You know, everybody's got an opinion. Um, and, and you obviously see the guys I've shared dressing rooms with. There's no a lot of shrinking violets there. Um, and they've all, and a lot of them have done really, really well in management as well at club and international level. So you just learn, you learn every day, and you learn from the managers that you played under as well. Uh, and the ones I played under were fantastic. So you're always going to pick things up that unconsciously, when you're then landed with that position to be a manager, then you think, hmm, you just tap into your, into your subconscious to find out what's in there. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously, um, Billy McNeil moving on would have been a blow at the time, but uh, the blessing that was that uh, Sir Alex Ferguson ended up coming in. But the first season was a bit of a learning curve for him as well. I mean, um, it must have taken him a bit longer than people imagined for him to set his authority in the team because I understand that he compared a few um, a few of you guys to some, some of his players at St Mernlet. Willie Miller always quotes uh, Jackie Copeland. Um, I mean, so how, how big a learning curve was it for him? I, I think when, when, when uh, Alec came in, over happened to St Mirren, he'd come in to a, to a club that was on the way up. You know, I'd say, I'll go back to Big Billy, but the signs that Billy had made, not just on the, on the first team players, but also the young boys that he had got um, involved as well, with your Hewitts and Coopers and all these boys getting them signed, Blacks, I mean, they were they were coming through the, the system at that point as well. So when Alec came in, you know, he had the the, 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 the almost pleasure of seeing these kids coming through and you know what he did for them was incredible as well taking them to the European Cup medals and stuff but but he when he first went there he wanted to stamp his authority because that's the type of guy that he, he was um, there was only going to be one boss in the place um, he fell out with a lot of the players you're dead right uh, but that didn't bother him that didn't bother him I, I, you know once you got to know the, the man himself he always said, "You've got to, you've got to deal with animal, and I'm the animal. So you can deal with me, you can deal with anything." And that's that was his mantra, I think, right through the whole management career. That he made things tough for tough for people to see what type of response he was going to get. Um, so when so, so when he did come in, the response he was getting to start with wasn't great because the, the players were thinking, "Who does he think he is here?" But uh, gradually, just started to work in with him. He, he, he formed a relationship with Willie, uh, and Willie 
obviously being the club captain as well, you know, responded once once Willie got rid of the petted lip because he was comparing him with Jackie Copeland and no disrespect to Jackie Copeland because he was a very good player. Um, Willie didn't like that and Willie, you know, did the right thing by saying, I'll show you. And that's all he wanted. He was, he was just installing that into people saying, you give me stick or you criticise me, I'll show you I can play. That's, that's, that's the gift of being a good manager, isn't it? Oh yeah, without a doubt, and obviously success would come. Um, for yourself, unfortunately, um, not long after Ferguson came in, you had the misfortune of breaking your leg. Um, I, what, uh, what game did that happen in, and how did it come about? I played um, Marek Dimitrov. Probably, right. I think it may have been the Cup Winners' Cup, or was it the European Cup? I'm sure. It may have been the Cup. Cup Point. I think it was, yeah. And um, we were in Bulgaria, and it was a, the, the most horrible place you've ever seen in your life. You know, it's called the place is called Stanky. <laughs> stanky. Stanky, yeah. <laughs> so the boys were just telling me it was stinky, stanky, and it was. It was just it, there was so many poor people in this place. It was incredible. Uh, and we played the game. They had a couple of uh, guys who played up front who were twin brothers. Uh, and the guys caught me away, and I knew right away. I thought something. Well, I couldn't get up. I just couldn't, I couldn't move. It wasn't really painful, but I couldn't get my leg off the ground. Um, ambulance came on the park. The park was so muddy, it was incredible. This ambulance was ploughed through the mud. And I got taken away to a hospital. It was like Stirling Castle. That's what the hospital looked like. And they put a plaster in my leg when I was sitting. I was at the, the stretcher was at the top of these concrete stairs. The plaster of Paris was running down the staircase. And this plaster was getting put up. It was a, a back slab they put on, a half a plaster. And, and we, we actually went back to uh, the hotel we were staying and I was rooming with wee Gordon and there's a guy and I really can't remember his second name Ian was his first name this guy followed Aberdeen everywhere I, I am talking about every single game this guy never missed a game and he, he pitched up in Stanky how he got there God knows you know it must have been trains, planes and automobiles and I'm at the hospital, and when I've come back to the hospital, wee Gordon says to me, you know Ian, don't you? And I went, yeah, yeah. He says, well, I've told him he can sleep on our floor in the bedroom. It's fine, I've not got a problem with that at all, but this plaster I had on was turning my foot blue. They'd put it on too tight. So to help me rip the plaster off, I had to get some relief this plaster or my leg was going to explode. So the poor guy, I never got much sleep, obviously. I think wee Gordon slept. He would have slept on the knife edge, to be quite honest. Um, but Ian had to help me sort of rip this plaster off my foot. There's, there's a funny story about that trip coming back the way. We flew to uh, from uh, Sofia, I think we've got a bus to Sofia, and we then flew to um, back to Spain somewhere because Valencia were on the flight that we were on. And you remember a boy called Mario Kempes? Yes, I. The Argentinian guy who played for Valencia at the time. So Valencia were playing in Sofia at the time as well. So they were on our flight coming back, and the um, they were in first class, and our guys were in the cab, the cattle class at the back of the plane. Of course, because I've got a broken leg, I'm in first class with them. So, <laughs> so Harper decides to be my chauffeur and push my wheelchair. <clears throat> so we Joe gets into first class with me. 
um, and we're sitting, and he's went and he's asked for Kempes's autograph. Uh, and Joe Harper asking for somebody's autograph, but he's asked for Kempes's autograph, and Kempes has signed it. Kempes, that was all he wrote. So we go back to Aberdeen Airport, and Joe's pushing my chair, and there's some kids there, and Joe's signing autographs, and he's signing Harper. Sees you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm as good as him, he says. I'm good. I can just, I just need to sign Harper. People know who Harper is, you know. So it's, 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 it's make it a brand. <laughs> So, so there was there was some laughter and joviality in the fact that I'd broken my leg and I was then out for nine weeks, which didn't help my career at all. <coughs> yeah, yeah, it was um, difficult for you getting back in the team with uh, Alan McLeish um, coming out. And um, I mean, whilst it would have been hard for you from the sidelines, um, you know, just just uh, how good a defender was um, Alan McLeish at that time. Well, we. we and, that, that year that we, we went, we won the league in 79-80. Um, I played, I think I played 23 or 24 games that season because uh, Big Alec played centre midfield. Uh, Fergie, Fergie thought that Alec would get a lot of um, game time and he would get a lot of experience as well by being a centre midfield player. Um, and he played in there, but him and I played in the same team for uh, probably all of those 23, I think it was 23 or 24 league games I played. And um, and the big man was outstanding. Outstanding as a centre midfield player, to be honest. Because he was, he was just a big skinny kid who was good in the air and he was quick as well. And he was good with the ball at his feet. <clears throat> and I'd done my knee ligaments at Tynecastle and Big Alec went back to centre back. He'd played one or two games as centre back as well in between these games. And I think Sir Alec then at that point thought, this is going to be my back, my two centre backs, you know, him and Willie. Can he really complain, can I? But, but, but the big man, he's a top bloke, you know, and he's also a, an excellent an excellent presence and player on the pitch. Yeah, you couldn't really argue about, um, you know, getting in ahead of those two, but you did play enough, um, more than enough games to win your first title um, as a player in 79-80, um, and given that was what, 15 years, I think it had been since the last non old firm side had won the title, which was Kilmarnock. Um, no, that that must have been some part in at Easter Road that day. Well, that's another story, right? So, <clears throat> we're going down Easter Road, and two or three of the young boys had taken no well, and there was a reserve game at Pitodry. And Fergie says to me, I've, I've come off Sir Alec now, you hear that my tone of voice. So he says to me, <laughs> Um, listen, I really need you to do me a favour. I need you to stay and play with the reserves. We're short of bodies. I says, but we're good in here to win the league. And he says, I don't really care. He says, I really need you to stay and play with the reserves. So I was in the Easter Road that day. Oh. So, um, so I met the guys when they came back up to Aberdeen. Uh, they came back up that night and they... Um, we had a night out in Mr G's, I think it was. And it was just such a, 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 a non-event for me because I thought I wasn't there. It was such a, that was a, one of my big disappointments in my life, in my career, sorry, that I wasn't there to celebrate that after the game because I'd been quite a big part of it. So um, I think Duncan Davidson was the other one. I think Duncan and I both got to stay down and play with reserves. So uh, he wasn't the most popular that day, to be honest. <laughs> See, obviously, later on in Ferguson's career when he was at Man U, he 
it seemed like sometimes he would discard players where fans thought it was too early. Was it the same at Aberdeen at times, whereby you felt once you were discarded that that was you working out the pitch a wee bit? Um, no, it, it kept me it kept me involved. It, 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 um, I mean, I, I played with the, the the reserves laterally before I finished playing at Aberdeen. But that that's you asked a question earlier on about coaching. Uh, and that was when I started getting interested in coaching, and I, I I used to volunteer to go back in the afternoon with the young boys. The young boys at that time were Stevie Gray, God rest them, Wee Joe Miller, you know David Robertson, Paul Wright. These boys, good 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 players coming through. Hewitt, you know Gunn, Black. These boys all came back in the afternoons as well, um, and we used to just go out and do things, just practice whatever we wanted to practice on. Um, and I did that maybe a couple of days every week. I just off my own back because I just I just wanted to do it, um, and it, and it and it helped me on my future career with, with Sir Alec. That that I think that helped me because I, I, at that point I then thought, you know, there needs to be something after the game that I need to try and get involved in. So, um, so he didn't he didn't discard me. There was there was never that was that never happened. I knew that I was not going to get back in the side because Big Alec was there. I turned down a move to um, Barnsley when uh, um, Alan Clark, I mean, the way Alan Clark had played with Leeds, the striker. Oh, yeah. Alan right, Clark, yeah. He, he was the manager at Barnsley and, and he wanted to sign me and I, I foolishly knocked it back because I thought at that time I was still thinking I could get back into the Sabadine team again, but it didn't happen. I always thought if I got a chance to go, south, go down south again, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, well, you got a move to, to Celtic. Which might have been viewed um, as a bit of a dream move, but um, it didn't turn out the way you would have hoped to. I mean, I think if I read rightly, you probably knew you were going to be back up, but you didn't get many games. So, how how do you think it didn't work out? This is you throwing me a fish, isn't you? Yes. So, <laughs> so, so I went there, and um, I thought I, I thought it was a great move. I thought I couldn't believe this move has happened because Hearts wanted to sign me. Wallace Mercer actually phoned me in the morning uh, when I was going down to Celtic and he says, listen, I want you, there was a guy, Bobby Monker was the manager at Hearts at the time. He said, I want you to be Bobby Monker's first signing. And I asked him about the money. He was telling me the money that I would be on and I thought, that's less than I'm earning at Aberdeen. And at that time, Sandy Jardin and Ali McDonald were playing with, with Hearts. And I says, they're not earning that kind of money. I said, I've, I've won big titles and cups. I says, I should be, no as much as them, but I should be in a bigger wage. That's all we can for this year. I'm not becoming. And just at that, Celtic came in. And uh, Sir Alec agreed a fee with Big Billy. I went down there and signed. And Big Billy says to me, just come and play. He said, they had, they had Tom McAdam and Roy Aitken as their two centre-backs. And he says, come and play. And he says, you'll get an opportunity. And we went to America on a pre-season tour. We were there for 10 days. We played Seattle. We played Southampton. We were over there touring at that time as well with Keegan and all these guys. Uh, played someone else. We played three games, and I played in the three games, and we won the three games. And I thought, okay. And we came back and went and played in a Rotterdam tournament. And we played um, uh, team to Rotterdam. Feyenoord? Feyenoord. It was a Feyenoord squad. It was a Feyenoord tournament. And Uspes Doza were in it as well. I mean, the other team, there's four teams, and we won it. I played as well. And I thought, I've cracked this here. I'm, I'm actually in. And the first League Cup tie. Uh, when it was sections and we played St Mirren at Celtic Park and, and the place was full and what am I 
Metzoliert in den Area Pat Boner, was about 15 yards off his line and Frank McDougall decides to have a shot and the ball hits me and spins over the top of big packet is into the net, so it's an OG and I thought, start. But we'll come back. Centre, Scanlon was playing with St Mirren, Scanlon was playing with St Mirren at that time. And he's running down the jungle side, heading towards the Rangers end, and he smashed his ball across the face of the goal, and it was all pit man. Great header, actually, to be fair. You know, great in the Two OGs, you know. So the jungle were cheering my name at the start of the game, you know. They were still cheering my name after that happened. There was a different ending to the cheer that they were, they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> Go away, you know. Um, so, yeah, so it wasn't a great start. I went out for a meal uh, after that game, and uh, a place uh, called, I don't know if it's still there, called La Campagnola, it's a head, I suppose. Anyway, and I had to wait in a few, uh, a, a little uh, folding area, where I was sitting at, at a pint, sitting in front of me. And Ian Redford came in uh, with his missus. Don't you like it? Sorry? Don't you like it in Rangers? Ah, yeah. Aye. Yeah, so... so Ian's came in and he was at Rangers at the time and he says to me, how you doing big man? I says, yeah, okay. How did you go on the day? And I says, you taking the piss? He went, no, honestly. <laughs> I went, nah, it didn't go well for me. You'll read about it in the paper tomorrow. And he got called to his table and as he stood up, he knocked the table, knocked the paint over the top of me. I thought, it's been a bad day. <laughs> it's been a bad day. Could I actually go and eat some of this food now, you know? But hey, that's life. That's life. Move on. So my, my time, I actually played the next game. We played up at St. Johnston in the next game um, at that League Cup session. And again, so again, you think Celtic got up there and beat St. Johnston, but McCoy scored that penalty. Danny brought the, uh, McCoy's down for the penalty. It wasn't on the television, it was on the radio. And I get the blame on the radio for the, giving away the penalty. So the hundreds of thousands of Celtic supporters who weren't at Perth that night are all thinking it's him again. So Big Billy took me out the side and... I only played one more game at Easter Road about two or three months later. So it wasn't a great time I had at Celtic. It wasn't a great time. Yeah, that 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 is that is a shame. Uh, you had a couple of loan spells in Gidinti, Rochdale, and then in Alla. And then somehow you, you mentioned that you were coaching um, when you were at Aberdeen for a bit. But did you envisage becoming a manager, a player manager at Alla at the age of twenty-seven? No, no. Alec Totten's a pal. Alec Totten's a Denny boy, uh, and Alec was a manager at Allo at the time. And he phoned me and he says, listen, Viggy, come and play here for a month. They play in reserve football. Come up. They were in the first division at the time. Um, come and play here. Uh, put yourself in the shop window. So I went and played for a month there. I was still training full-time with Celtic and training a couple of nights with Allo as well. Uh, played a month. We did well, actually. The club, the team were going really, really well. And... Alec came and says to me, I'm going to wait to the Falkirk job. I went, right. He says, I've put your name forward for the job here. They'd like to interview you. I said, I'm only 27 years old. And he says, well, it's up to you. So I phoned Sir Alec and I says to him, what do you think? He says, take it. If they offer you it, take it. Uh, he says, be the player manager. He says, get somebody in with you, um, experienced, and take it and just see how you go on there. So I went and did the interview and already made their mind up they were going to give me the job um, and it was it was an incredible experience because I said earlier on all of a sudden all these things that you've subconsciously learned and listened to and, and picked up start coming flooding back 
So you've got these mixtures of Alec Ferguson and Billy McNeil and Ali McLeod and Wally Muller talking to me and you know, and you're thinking, Oh, this is just it wasn't easy, but it made it easier because I had that background. And we did well actually. We finished we actually went into the Alabama boardroom at Christmas time. We were fourth in the league. Hearts got promoted that year. So that would have been about eighty eighty three or something. Eighty two, eighty three. Eighty two, eighty three. Hearts got promoted and I think Morton got promoted as well. And we were we were we ended up finishing fifth fifth or sixth, but at Christmas time we were fourth in the league and we weren't far off it. And again, probably like Alloway just now, we were the part time team in that league. Uh, and I went in and I says to the board, I'm really needing some money to strengthen the side. We've got a wee chance of promotion here. And they're like, oh, no. we can't get promoted here. We can't go into the Premier League. Just look at the ground that we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, so you're, we, we can't give you any money. We, we, can't, we couldn't afford to go into the Premier League because we couldn't do up the ground to make it up to that standard. Which I thought, it's fair enough. It's not my problem. I just want to get the best results that we can. So... We didn't strengthen. I just sold. Then we Stuart Monroe played with Rangers. Yes. Yeah. Well, Stuart, Stuart was a left winger uh, when I went to Alloa. And um, as a left winger, Stuart couldn't cross the road on one of the ones. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking he's getting to the byline and the boy's going out on the main road and it's going everywhere. And I thought, no, I'm going to try you at left back. And the rest is history. Did you find it difficult being a, a player and a manager at the same time? Um, to start with, I did, John. To start with, I did because I, you know, you're. I'm coming off the park. I'm thinking I'm not happy with some people, but probably some people are not happy with me either. You know. Um, and the first couple of the first couple of half time uh, blasts, uh, John's been in the end of one of my blasts in the in the half time. Are his hair? The, the the ones there weren't pretty and then I, 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 there was a really good pal of mine, Marty, Marty Boyle who I took in as my assistant Marty says to me, maybe just better leave the half-time stuff to me until uh, you calm down, because you're coming off the party you're angry at things and, and I did, I took his advice and I thought that's that's the right thing to do so yeah so I had good, good fond memories at Alloa really fond memories at Alloa yeah, good stuff. And you ended up going back to Aberdeen as uh, Ferguson's right hand man when uh, Archie Knotts, I think, went to Dundee at the time. Um, no, just I take it that wasn't a hard decision to make um, going to, up to Aberdeen. Oh, no. no. He, he phoned me and said, um, I'd like to get a word with you. And he says, Yeah, no problem. And I wouldn't ask him what it was about. He says, No problem. Here they want to meet. We met at Dundee, the, the roundabout at the hotel just off the first roundabout as you come in the tea from Clare. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we met in there, we had a bite tea, and he says, Archie's away to Dundee, he's a manager, need an assistant manager. Uh, and it's then when he started talking about, he says, I saw things in you. He says, when you went back with the young boys in the afternoon, he says, and the benefits he got from actually going back with a senior player. Um, he says, so I want you to come back uh, as my assistant manager. At that time, probably I was just maybe heading to 29 then, maybe. Um, and I, I big, it was a big decision to make, John, because at that point, I'd actually still have been playing. Um, and I probably cut short my playing career at a, at a half-decent level. 
Um, but I thought, no, I'm going to do this. And what he says to me was, he says, the reserve games, uh, midweek reserve games, you're playing them. Um, he says, one, just to keep you playing, he says, but also to help the young boys in the, the reserve team as well. And again, the re- these were all boys, your Guns and Coopers and Hewitts and Blacks and these guys. You know. And some of them were still playing in the reserves. Uh, so I went back then and I thought, no, no, they were not. No, no, they had already won the Coopers Cup, didn't they? There's other couple of young boys. But anyway, I, I enjoyed that. I actually really, really enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, we had, we had good success, the two is working together. It's hard taskmaster, but we had good success. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt who would have been good cop, bad cop. Um, just um, <laughs> describe who, what the working relationship was like with them. It, 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 um, I think Sir Alec at that time is very autocratic management style. Whether he would admit that or not, I don't. Um, it was very much a, you know, this is how you're going to do it, and just get it done. And if you can't do it, then I'll get somebody else to do it. So we saw some flare-ups in dressing rooms. I saw some flare-ups in dressing rooms. No, I've never seen a teacup getting flipped, for you honest. <laughs> hairdryer. Uh, hairdryer. <laughs> a few hairdryers, to be honest. <laughs> um, and um, he just had this, this style of management that was, you know, he, was, he would sleep for three or four hours a night. And then he just got watch football videos. And what he expected of his staff was the same, you know. So it was it was a um, it was a difficult task for me to adapt to all of a sudden, you know, every night of the week I was away watching games. Didn't matter where it was, whether it was abroad, whether it was uh, in England, whether it was somewhere in Scotland, if it was somewhere in Scotland, just drove, you know. I've given you a company car so you'll drive to the games and go and watch them. And you were just out every night of the week, and I just a young family at that time, you know. So it was very, it was very, very difficult. But if that's what it took to to be in that position, then that's fine, you know. I never, I never, it didn't affect me in any way. But um, it was, it was difficult, very, very difficult. But it left me a lot of times to take the training, which I thought was credit to to me, really, because um, you know when I was there as a player. Uh, he took all the training sessions. Then Archie would come in. Pat Stanton worked with him for a while. Paddy would do some stuff. It was always Fergie was the, the lead man. Uh, Archie was a wee bit stronger and louder um, and would take over some of the sessions as well. But Sir Alec was still was heavily, heavily involved. But then there was a lot of times when he just sort of let me go on with it. He, was, he would sit in the car and watch. And then he'd put the window down and he'd, he'd put his finger up and go, yeah. No thought about that. Okay, so it was a wee schoolboy running across to get her out of the car window, then run away back again. And <laughs> on, you know? Yeah, but hey, it's part of my life, and I would never, I would never change it for anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's also obviously a master of the, the mind games and not just in the press. Um, I understand ahead of the '86 Cup final. Um, he made sure that it was a quick reminder for Hearts about the, the week before when they lost the title at Dundee. They had, um, they found out that Hearts had a psychologist in during the week. Because um, they just, as you said, they'd just been beat at Dundee. They lose the league. Players were down. They got finally played the following Saturday. Sir Alec uh, had says to us during the week, they've got a psychologist in. And his job will be to forget about last week 
think forward, think forward all the time. Cup final. You just got last week out of your head, out of your head. So we uh, got to Hamden first, and um, he says to every single person in the dressing room, whether it be team boys, the, 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 the coaching staff, whoever it was, just got me standing that old, you know, foyer, old square foyer used to have at Hamden. Uh, stand there, and that harsh bus comes in, just pick one of them, just go up and shake their hand and say, unlucky last week. <laughs> you know? And you can see that they're actually going, thanks for that, that's really nice here. Really nice, you know. Hugh scored in four minutes, didn't he? <laughs> Game over. Game over. He just go back. And John Robertson talks about that. John, we joined us uh, after dinner stuff. And John talks about that. About the. You know, we thought a nice bunch of guys saying unlucky last week. Just planted it right back into their head again, didn't he? That was my first Aberdeen game that I watched. Was the '86 Cup final. All oh, right. Okay. Sorry. It's quite young, mind you, but. Oh, I, that was the, um, that day I was, um, I mean, this was all before big coaching staffs, wasn't it? You know, there was, there was, there was Sir Alec, there was me, and there was David Wiley as the physio. That was our coaching staff. You, know? you, had, you had other boys like, like George Adams and, and Lenny Taylor and that who did all the youth academy stuff. But on the bench on a Saturday, that was it. It was us. And um, Simon so warming up Big Jim. And the pipe band came on the park. Right before the game, and I'm crossing boys out of the top of the pipe van for big Jimmy to catch. <laughs> I tell, you, I, I tell you a quick story. We went down bef- before it when I was still there before I went to Celtic, uh, and, and this this was sort of something that, that he did to me as well. When I said earlier on, he didn't exclude me for anything. Before the walkie-talkie thing started, um, he, he had says to me, "You sit next to me in the stand." I'll watch the first half to the stand and if I need you to run down and tell Archie something then you're my runner, you know? <laughs> and I thought, okay, I thought, how did I get in Beagle in that? But hey, well, just I did it. So we played Liverpool down at Liverpool and um, I'm up I'm sitting up in the stand room and obviously we've had a few chances in that game to be fair. I don't know if you ever you remember that game down. We had a couple of chances in that game. And um the big doogie was having a nightmare. An absolute nightmare. It was almost like this big spotlight was on him. And everything that he did just wasn't happening. So, Fergie says to me, um, go on down and tell Archie to take rugby off. And I says to him, who's going on? He says, effing anybody. I says, seriously? Yeah, just tell me about anybody on. So, I ran away down the stairs and got on, got into Archie. And I says, take big Dugio. He says, who's going on? I says, he didn't say. No, I thought he wouldn't. No. <laughs> Archie says to me afterwards, I a long time afterwards, he says, you know that? He's a sneaky man, he says. He says, that night at Liverpool, when he says, I just says, put anybody on. He says, if I put the wrong one on, he'd have slaughtered me. <laughs> so, um, but that was, that was, that was fair. He was just, he was one of unique, unique man, unique man. Did you get a chance to be part of the coaching staff with the Scotland team then? The 86 no. World Cup? No, no. No. He went, he went to, because um, that's when Jock died, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's when Big Jock died. And um, he came back and he says, I'm, he got he got the Scotland job to take them to Mexico. Um, and he says, I need you to get a few things tidied up here. He says, I've got a couple of boys out of contract. We need to get them back in contracts. 
He says, I need the whole pre-season sorted out as well. He says, I'm going to be away. He says, so make sure we've got the pre-season, where we're going, what we're doing, that whole programme of, of events, you know, which I did. Um, and then the first day he came back, he hauled me in his office. He says, listen, I've had a think and I'm going to change the structure of the club. Bringing Archie Knox back as my co-manager. And I says, what with me? He says, there isn't a position for you. Disappointed, obviously. Please, oh, I said, we've just won the league, we've won the League Cup, we've won the Scottish Cup twice. Uh, I said, there isn't a position for me. He says, no. He says, it's a hard, but really, it's a really tough, tough decision for me. He says, but I've made my mind up, that's what I'm doing. So, so from the, the that day, uh, I don't know what day, I'd say it was a Monday, on the Tuesday I had to go and sign the brew, because I never had a contract with Aberdeen. Um, and I had to go and sign the brew on the Tuesday morning. And I'm standing in a queue in the brew. It's the only time I've ever been in the, the, the door in my life. I'm standing in the door queue, and you see people looking at me going, that one here, there's a double that's in here. Aye, a double take, aye. Yeah, yeah. Really uh, embarrassing, wasn't it, the word? It was just it was a necessity that I needed to go there. And I just felt so let down by... The decision that was made, I didn't think that would happen. After did that? Did I? Did that affect your relationship with him then? Um, no, because he, he then it was just not long after that he moved to Man United. So him and Archie had moved to Man United. I think was it in November he moved to Man United. Yeah. Over November, it wasn't long after the start of the season. They, they moved. They both had moved to Man United. So I never really saw much of him. No, I've met him. A few times uh, after that, and there's nothing in it. Bad blood, you just forget and move on. You know how you doing, how you doing, type thing. I haven't seen him for quite a few number of years now, but the last couple of times I've seen him, it was just a chat. How you doing? Always knew I worked with the bank. How you getting on? You still with the bank? Really saying yeah. That's my that's my story. People will say, uh, Sir Alec moved to Man United, now moved to the TSB Bank. <laughs> But, um, it, but again, that, that's life. When you move on, it's just these things happen in life. Yeah, I, th- I think um, well, you've obviously um, got an understanding with him, but some other players, like Jim Layton's one um, that doesn't speak to much now, and uh, Joe Harper's um, another one um, that kind of holds a grudge. Um, but is that that's just part and parcel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and everybody deals with things differently. And I can see where I can see where both the guys. I'm really pally with both of them, and I can see where mm-hmm. both of them are coming from. Um, but it's an individual decision how you deal with things, isn't it? Life's too short for these kind of things. For me, for me anyway. Decisions oh. are made, and if you go and mump about it, then it's not going to change the decision. It's not going to go. Why bother? You're just wasting your time. Was it a difficulty as well managing all different personalities as well? What do you mean by that one, John? In terms of like maybe the players and personalities and trying to manage that, maybe. Um, he, he thought the, to be fair to him, he says to me, he says, um, I thought it might happen. He says that because of a lot of the players that you were now managing, you played with, um, he says you would have made a distance between yourself and them, and which I did. I deliberately did that, you know. Um, but I could I could still get in among them at training because I knew how they how they worked. I knew exactly how it made them tick. 
um, but it definitely stood off for him when it was right. Relationship was dead from outside the football pitch. Never seen any of them at all socially ever. Um, and I thought he just made that. Thought personally, he just made that up just to say something to me, uh, which I, I, I venomously died. I said that's wrong. That, that's no. I mean, my opinion that the players are the players, and I'm in, I'm in the man. So, um, so we kind of um, parted, uh, not in good terms for me anyway. But once you go into management, you know that you're going to make decisions that are, are unpopular with people. And I've done it myself. Afterwards, in my many, many clubs that I've managed at Highland League and junior and, uh, level, that um, you're going to make decisions that are unpopular, but if you don't make them, then you're, 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 you're pulling away from what your responsibilities are. Yeah, I think that's something we've heard Phil McGuire on. He talked about as much when he was learning off managers. He learned as much what to do as what not to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, and that's, as I say, you, you take things from everybody you work with. Um, so, yeah, good career. I, I, I say there's a good career. Did, Big Brian, did Big Brian tell you the story about the 99 for Aberdeen? He told us a bit about it, but if you want to elaborate a bit more. Oh, I want to see Billy Burgess. Nah, nah. Anyway, him and, him and Fergie were good pals, and we went down. Um, one of the scouts had phoned me and says, there's a big laddie playing with Falkirk. Uh, Brian Irvin, big boy, really, really quick, good in the air, young boy, you know, he works in the bank. He worked with TSB Bank, actually. He works in the bank, and worth going and having a look. So I went down and watched him, and I thought, yeah, big fella's decent, you know, worth, worth getting the manager down to have a look. So we went down, and they, I don't know who they were playing at the old Bronco, and it was the foulest night you've ever seen in your life. Seriously, the weather, the, the rain was horizontal, uh, and it didn't help. It was windy, and the floodlights were on. We don't even move back in the director's box to get away from the rain. But anyway, we went into the manager's room after the game, and... Uh, Sir Alec and, and Guy Billy they're chatting away about things Billy Lament Billy Lament well done Billy Lament so they're chatting away about things so these are sitting chatting and about different things and he says and uh, Sir Alec says right how much you want for the boy I want 60 grand ah you're not getting that so I'll give you 30 grand no you're not getting him for 30 grand he says, come on. He says, I'm getting the boy. I'm taking him out of part-time football. I'm getting him a, a career in football, hopefully. Getting him full-time football. You're going to stand in his way, trying to embarrass each other, you know. And Billy Lamas says, I'm telling you now, you're not getting him for that, you know. So the next thing is a wee knock at the door. It's Brian. So I've got him, opened the door, and I've taken Big Brian in. And I says to him, sit here. So he sat between me and, and uh, Sir Alec. And Sir Alec... Just came right away for Billy Lamont and started talking to Big Brian. He says, how are you doing, son? I'm, I'm fine, Mr. Ferguson. Thank you, thanks. How do you think you did tonight? And he says, I thought I did okay. Um, he says, some of the problem I had, though, he says, was my contact lenses. He says, when it was really raining and the wind was blowing in my eyes I was, and the, the ball was in the floodlights, I was struggling to see the ball, you know? So I've grabbed Big Brian and I says, Mummy, you now go for a walk. So I took Big Brian away to the room for a walk. And of course, when I came back, because Billy Lamb must have been raging with Big Brian, thinking, what are you doing? 
So they agreed it. I don't know what the fee they agreed it was maybe forty five grand or something, or fifty grand or something. Big Brian had just played right in the right in the Sir Alex's hands of no pain for him, he's blind. Can he can he say somebody's blind? <laughs> but the big man went up and became your hero, John, and he's and he's he's a fantastic um, ambassador for the club, captain as well, so good on him. Yeah, he was a he was a great guy, Brian Irvin. Um, uh, such a um, good time interviewing him last week, and um, he spoke very openly about a lot of things. Not even just his career with Aberdeen, but his uh, illness and uh, you know the coronavirus stuff, mental health. It was just an absolute pleasure to talk to the man. And so thanks to you and uh, Alex for signing him in the first place. I mean, he also described he also described to be fair, Brian, um, that because. Um, us fans have an assumption of Alex Ferguson that every player gets a hairdryer treatment and such, but Brian didn't because um, Alex could say, tell the type of character he was that he would probably go into shell a bit if he got that. Is that what Brian thought? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a different story, Willie? <laughs> he maybe just played well all the time. Um, the, 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 there's very much in a thing about Sir Alex's makeup that um, I said it way at the start deal with the monster. And he'll have a go at anybody to see how they react to that. If somebody crumbles, then they're thinking, if something happens out in the park, crumble out there as well. If they don't crumble and deal with him, it's almost like he wanted people to say, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. That's what he wanted. He didn't want people to be pally with him. He just, you know, he just wanted that wee bit of respect. He said, you know, I think of a lot of people who, who have fell out with Sir Alec over the years, players, no, if they said, what do you think about him? And they would, you know, bad mouth him, whatever it might be. But if they says, do you think he knew anything about football? Then they would say, of course he did. Of course he did. But with just that wee bit of respect about his, his, his knowledge, his, his management style was different at times, shall we say. But, um, but he, he always, um, to the youngest boys, to whatever it might be, um, he would just have a go at them. They thought they needed a blast, and if they got the blast and they reacted positively, they'd say, look at that. That's what I knew he was like that. You know, we, we won the BP Cup, uh, and we were going to be 3-0 at half-time with Celtic at Pataudry, and uh, I was taking the team, and he says to me, um, as we were coming off at half-time, he was in the stand, he ran along the corridor, and he says to me, don't say a word when we're in here. And, right, and he went in, and they went through every one of them. Now, these are kids at 16, 15, 16. David Robertson might only have been 16 up. Every one of them got the hairdryer treatment. Every one of them. Because you know? um, I think it was the... Here was that. We'd won something. We'd won, it may have been the Scottish Cup or the league. Was it the Cup double that season, 85-86? It might have been. It might have been. And, we were, and, the, and the first team got presented with a trophy and there was a big crowd and the first team were all at the game being struck with the first, it says the first team stay and watch the game there was, some, there was something happened that week that the first team were all at that game they were told be at the game and they were in the dressing room before the game wishing all the boys all the best they watched the game in the stand and then afterwards when they won it they were all back in the dressing room again patting all these young boys in the head you know so you've got Boys like Gordon and Willie Miller and that walking about going, well done, boys, well done. These kids were in cloud nine, you know. 
but the half time team talk was was interesting. And then we're back out in the second half and, and three each of time up and we won it five three, I think, in extra time. And no, that was him just being this deal with me. If you can deal with me, you can deal with me. So Big Brian Big Brian must have got a rocket at some point. <laughs> Ah, fair days. At the end of the day, it's about um, it's about getting results. Um, you know, you obviously um, you say you say now that um, you you're very much a red once a done, always a done. Um, so see when you get asked to come along to represent the club in charity games, whether you're playing or managing, um, just how how big an honour is that? I'm delighted when when last was it was it last year we were at Brockville or the, the September year. 18 yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and when, when you phoned me to do that John I was absolutely delighted to do it you know because it's well, I mean I love the club um but I think just getting you, you know you're going to be in a dressing room with a bunch of boys who all support the team as well which I thought was great um and I think I might have been out of management at that point as well so it was just good to get back. Uh, Doing my rounds round about the dressing room, having a go at people, and I, and I less, uh, sure the boys took it in all good spirit, and, and well, I know they did to be fair, you know. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just loved that, and I was really looking forward to the one a couple of weeks ago. I was really disappointed that that was postponed, you know. Yeah. So were we? <laughs> I know, I definitely, I. Know. I, I know, and I, and I, and I hope it happens. I hope it happens again because it's for a fantastic cause, absolutely fantastic cause. Oh, I will do definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people, people just you know you, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. You know, it's really, really hard to understand what's going on in people's lives. You know, and you, you spoke about Brian, his illness. I wasn't well as well as you know, John. You know, mm-hmm. with prostate cancer, uh, which was a huge, huge surprise to me. But instead of just hiding away, I thought I'm going to tell the world about this. And I was on, I was on Tam Cowan's show. I think I said that. Yeah, you? I remember that. Yeah, I remember listening. I'm pally with Richard Gordon and Richard got me on there and I was happy standing in that soapbox to say people, listen, you need to go and if there's something um, if there's something are wrong with you, go and get tested um, and, and hopefully a lot of people took that on board, you know um, so you just the, the, the whole mental health thing as well I think is just a, it's a fantastic thing you are doing for it um, and it, it raises awareness of it and anything I can do to help that would be more than happy to do it. Yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, well, as we've spoken before a couple of times, um, we will get the game um, back on when we don't know. We obviously, um, yeah. you know, at a point where the SFA are saying that um, there's no football until July, etc., we can't exactly say that, um, we'll get the game back on definitely because you just don't know when this lockdown is going to be extended to, when the restrictions have been lifted. But we will get it back on at some point. But um, uh, you know that you'll be uh, first asked to be manager. Uh, no question about that. If I can make that, I'll be there. Yeah. You're in Barcelona with Aberdeen as well, aren't you? So you're there most weeks, most home games? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm actually, we're, we're moving back up, up, up to Aberdeen to live. I live in Edinburgh just now, but we're moving back to Aberdeen to live. That's why we moved the house. We're, um, we're renting something just now. Obviously, with the whole lockdown, we're kind of going to buy something in Aberdeen. Yeah. So, um, and um, but when I when I'm up, I was up in business. I would I would phone me Joe and say I'm up, the game on. I'm just going and and do the, the bit round about the, the tables when people are dining, and I really really enjoy it. It's just 
it's like people just want to talk to you about football. You know? Yeah. Uh, I have sampled the hospitality at Aberdeen. It was first class. It was brilliant. Yeah. And it, I'm looking at that next year for my 40th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, let me know when you're doing it. I will. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's um, yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's an extension of what else can I do for the football club now? And um, that's one thing. But also what we're doing just now uh, through the football club is we're phoning supporters. So last week I phoned yeah. six supporters from one in Stranraer, one in Lane, one in Huntley, one in Aruri, uh, one in uh, Kirkcaldy. There were six people I phoned last week that the trust had got in touch with or the club had got in t- touch with or they had been in touch with the club to say, I'm on my own or um, it'd be great to hear somebody for the club. And you just phone these people and they're delighted to speak to you, you know, just to have a chat about normal life, how they're getting on. Uh, they're, all, they're all older, they're all older people. Um, and I think it's a great thing that the club are doing as well. They're, they're, some of the, the current players have been doing it. I know myself and we, Joe, I think Brian's doing it as well. Um, so it's just great to be involved in the community and, and spreading the word of the club. I definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's tremendous what the club are doing. We've obviously been aware of like Joe Lewis and Shay Logan phoning people. Um and uh, I know Stuart Eaton, the former players association, does a lot, so no, um it's it's tremendous. It doesn't overly surprise me, um, that Aberdeen have acted this way and I'm not just saying that because I'm a supporter. I'm obviously more aware of it because I'm a supporter. But I, I know there's been good things being said. Uh, Liam Craig was doing it with St. Johnson as well. So I think we should give the shout out to them. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, I, see well. some, uh, I think Patrick are doing it as well. I've seen did some phone calls as well. You know? mm-hmm. it, if, if you're not doing anything else, it doesn't take any so, and, and the reaction you get from these people is just fabulous. You know, they're, they're saying to you, thanks so much for the call. Well, Thank you for supporting the club for so many years. Hi. Did you have a bad? Did some of them have a wee bad disbelief, believing who's on the other end of the phone? Yeah, yeah. They're just, you know, it's like, oh wow. And then you just chat away about how they are, and all the people I spoke to, you know, some of them are ill health. Uh, so they were all, they were all older people uh, who had supported the Dons way back in the, the, before I was born, and they were telling me great stories. I thought this is just fantastic. And you're only on the phone for. 15 minutes with them, you know. Totally enjoy it. And, and I'll do more of Cecily Girl, uh, said of the, the communications. That's, you know, she's still getting four or five to you every week. That's fine. Not a problem. Brilliant. Yeah. That is brilliant. Um, we'll just get a, a, a few more questions. Um, you know, I've got a couple of quick fire ones myself, but I also asked um, some of some of our people to get in touch with a question of their own um, so Cal McFadden who we've had on a couple of times he does um, his football CFB podcast it's quite popular he asked um, if you had to make one of the two Johns captain of Aberdeen on the day of a game who would it be and why <laughs> um, I hate self-promotion I need to pick somebody else haha <laughs> quite right <laughs> You wouldn't want me as a you wouldn't want me as a captain anyway. Well, you'd <laughs> You've seen me play. You'd be, cap- you'd be the captain for the sidelines, wouldn't you? Aye. <laughs> That's no use. That's no I'm crabbing in the pit. I'm crabbing on a football pitch. That's fine, John. I need something. <laughs> I, like more. The, I need something in the park. I like more than it, folk. But but <laughs> if, if if John wasn't doing the job on the park, 
John Bleasdale, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Once you went on, whenever that may be, you know, <laughs> I would, I would, I would expect him just to hand you the armband, just as a fucking <laughs> gesture. As, as, as long as you get to take the penalties. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Checks in the post, mate. <laughs> um, and your your good mate Trevor um, has asked me to ask you about the lakes at Meldrum House Golf Course. He has a photo. I think it was Aberdeen Golf Day last year. Uh, I was playing in Trevor's team, and uh, one of the guys, Craig Brown may have been in our team as well. Anyway, the ball went into the water, and I seen it right at the end, and they weren't bothering about it. And I says, "How can you get a ball for you?" And I put the club in to flick the ball at the water, and my foot slipped and went right into the water, uh, up to my waist. And I thought, mm, "This isn't the best place to be." In. Big Trevor's out with his camera straight away. So to be fair, I thought that he'd maybe forgot about that. <laughs> uh, no chance. <laughs> I've got one from John Copeland, who works at, he's an Aberdeen fan, but he actually works at McDermott Park. Right. Uh, he's saying that you used to do training sessions there by one of your teams that you couldn't remember whether it was for for Breakin or Broth, or if it was any of them. Yeah, for yeah. yeah. When Dick Campbell was there. No, no, Dick wasn't there at that point. No, I was I was assistant manager at Forth for a guy called Jim Muffet. Right. So he was the manager. And we trained at Forth for uh, one night a week and we trained at Perth one night a week because a lot of the boys uh, lived in Dundee. There was a few boys from down south as well. And it was four or five guys from Edinburgh played with the team as well. So to, to split the travel, it's before Forth went in a plastic pitch because obviously now they're training the pitch all the time. Um. So we trained on the, the Astro at McDermott, which was like, honestly, at that time, it was like, you'd as well train on the concrete in the road. It was the oldest Astro ever. But, uh, but it served a purpose. So yeah, we did, we did train down there one night a week, a Thursday night. Uh, what was your career highlight? I would say uh, winning the League Cup. As a, as a young boy, who that was my second visit to Hamden ever. And being in a winning team against Celtic, uh, team including, and all of a sudden, I'm playing with Campus of Blackwatch four or five months before that. Yeah. Next thing I'm playing against Kenny Dalglish. Um, that's got to be a, a, the, one of the biggest highlights for me, was, was, was that. I, definitely. You can't imagine something like that happening nowadays. Oh, no, no. Because I, I was late signing, I was 17 when I signed with Aberdeen, you know, so it's one of the things as well, kids should never ever forget, and it doesn't matter if you're not picked up when you're 12 or 13 or 14, there's always maybe somebody just watching, it might just be somebody at a game, and uh, we Bobby Calder happened to be that game that day, I don't think he was there to watch me, um, and put in a performance and all of a sudden something happens, so just... For young boys, if anybody young boys are listening to this, you always, you just always might have a chance. I definitely, especially when you're sending the game that you were picked up in as well, when you thought, why is he talking to me after we've been, we've been cubbed? <laughs> so, you just never know, do you? Uh, who's your best friends in football? Uh, Joe Harper is one. Uh, Jim Layton is one. Uh, these are guys that I've, I've been golfing with uh, quite a bit. Um yeah, Ralph Callaghan is a very good friend as well. Ralphie, we golf once a week. Uh, Jackie McNamara, the dad as well. Very, very good friends. All boys of my generation, innit? 
Yeah. Um, well, back in the day, maybe, I don't know whether a Fergie would be, but letting you have a dressing room prank, so it's the best dressing room prank you're either involved in or seen. was a manager and um, everybody used to sit at the same bit in the dressing room when you went in at half time obviously just where your clothes were and it was almost like everybody had their bit in the, in the dressing room where you went in and that's when you stripped to get changed for training that was your place you know and uh, any new boys that come in had to wait a turn to get slotted in somewhere and we Gordon uh, hadn't had a slot at this point so he sat, if you can imagine the dressing room, if you're in that dressing room, he'd have his back to the Pataudry Street, you know, the windows at the Pataudry Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'd have his back to there. And um, Sir Alec was giving McGee an absolute slaughter. So McGee's facing me, Gordon. Obviously, Fergie's got his back to Gordon. The wee man's dancing about making faces at Mark, you know, trying to get him to laugh. And honestly, we're all sitting going, oh, this is dangerous. Because if McGee bursts out laughing, it's going to be all hell to break loose here, you know? But Mark dealt with it. Dealt with it. But there wasn't, a, there wasn't a lot of plans. I've, I've seen a, a couple of scuffles in the restaurant. One of the, one of the work, I, when I was working with Alec, and we, we, we played Hearts. Hearts were a bogey team for us at Pataudry for many years. Then, came in at half time and he's ran right across to McKimmy and he's had a go at McKimmy. And he's grabbed McKimmy and McKimmy at this point is now stood up. He's now standing on the, on the seat. McKimmy's standing on the seat. There's Wally's jumped in and Big Alex jumped in and we're all split up and I've got a hoodie, the manager, and I've got him away, got him away. McKimmy's shaking at this point, you know, with anger. And the... Um, that was saying to Harvey. Then Charlie had a switch, you know. He went for lunatic to right. Okay, this is what we need to do now, which is a, a, a great thing for a manager. Anybody could go in and ball and shout at people. You then need to tell them why he's balling and shouting. So it was like a switch, and the switch just went off, and he then started. He's up at the board, and he's going right. This is what we need to do. We need to do this, 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 this. And the players are now the same half. Just as I walk by him, he says, "Hold on a minute." He says, don't ever pull me off a player again. He says, you're joking. I says, there's been an all-out war there. I don't care. Don't ever pull me off a player again. Carry on. Somebody's going to punch you. Maybe somebody will punch you. But that's what he says to me. Okay. Well, no, there wasn't many pranks in the restaurant going on. You're lucky you didn't have Phil Maguire at the time. Um, <laughs> see, he, he, he had a good one. Um, right, well, we'll ask you just one last question. Um, we do this with all of them. Um, so, name a best 11 from your time in football. And you can include yourself in the start lineup if you want. <laughs> he likes to fire this one at all our guests that we have on. You should have told me about this. You should have told me about this. Well, if you listen to Brian Urban's one, you'd know that it was coming. <laughs> Oh right, that bored me. Thanks. <laughs> I will now. Um, goalie, 
injuries, I've got to say um, Bobby Clark. Uh, fullbacks, I'd go with Kennedy or Slaughter, maybe. Or Danny McGrain. Uh, Willie. Alec. Um, the left back. I'll come back to left back. Joe McMaster. Joe McNeese in the team. Joe Smith as a centre mid Joe Harper up front with Archibald uh, Arthur Graham on the left You like to play? Oh he's a player with Tommy Burns in the middle with Joe Smith play with Gordon that's a pretty good sight. I that's, that's definitely the best. That'll be a hard one to top. It's definitely the best we've had so far from any of the games we've had on. That'll be a hard team to top. Yeah. There's, there's hundreds of players you could put in. Yeah. They did well. That's a difficult one. So the next guest is going to be uh, find it very difficult to top that. Um, no, thanks very much for coming on, Will. It was an absolute pleasure. And. No, we'll need to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely, John. Yeah. Good speaking to you as well, John, as well. John Brown. Aye, nice. nice to speak to you as well. Yeah. And yeah, your stories are tremendous stories as well, because um, that's something that I would like to kind of learn more about as Aberdeen before I kind of started supporting them, so it's good to hear the stories that you've got and obviously see some of the footage and all that, but it's good to hear from someone that was, was there, um, yeah. especially with the success you had as well when you were there. My pleasure, guys. My absolute yeah. pleasure. And enjoy the AFC Here We Go podcast. I've seen you're going on that, so nah, good on you. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I say that to the boy that I would do it more than that. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right. Well, cheers, John. Cheers, Willie. Okay, Bob. Stay safe, cheers, guys. John. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Willie. Bye bye. <laughs>